Thank you for tuning in with us. We expect the Word of God to change your life today. We expect you to have answers for questions that you haven't even asked and set you in such a resolve and such a, a purpose that your life is changed from this day forward. This will be the best year that God's ever been able to bring to you, and you will be blessed by the Word of God. If you would, turn in your Bible with me to the second chapter, excuse me, the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. I want to talk about the amazing Christian. Does anybody want to talk about the amazing Christian this morning? We've got bad press all these decades, bad press. And there's been a few people that have justified that, but that's because they didn't renew their mind. They got born again. People say, well, you're going to hell because of what you did. God never sent anybody to hell for what they did after they were born again. Now, you are going to hell if you're not born again. You go, well, I'm a good not born again. I'm a good heathen. Well, you'll be the best heathen in hell. You'll just be a fine example of, of almost. But after the new birth, everything changed. And people say, well, God's not through with me yet. Sure he is. He put everything on the table. There's nothing that he held back and said, when you, when you earn this, then I'm going to do better for you. It's all, in, it's all in here. It's all over you. It's all over you. Well, why aren't we? Because you don't know it, because I don't know it, because we don't believe it, because we don't react to what has actually happened. We react to our feelings, which are demonstrated all around us. The heathen look just like us. Actually, they're more moral than a lot of us Christians. They, they won't do things that Christians will say yes to. You go, what? Even in Ephesians, we read the other day where the Bible, where Paul said, you Ephesians, quit stealing. <laughs> you go, well, guys, this is Christians he's talking to. He said, y'all quit stealing. <laughs> so you go, well, there's, I've met lots of heathens that didn't know God at all. And they were just examples of good living and ethical and moral and honest. But they were going straight to hell. So it's not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus did that we believe that he did. Amen. So um, y'all know the story that says they can't see the forest for the trees. Well, what does that mean? What, does anybody ever know what that means? Well, I figured it out, or at least for me. It means that people can't see the big picture for getting tied up in the details. Uh, we saw that sign years ago at Winchell's. Uh, Winchell's, okay, Winchell's, yeah. And it had a little deal there and it says, uh, I just love it. It's my favorite little saying. They have a problem for every solution. You know those people? They have a problem for every solution. So you, you start to share with them, and you get ahead of them, and you, you say, this is what God wants to do. And they start backtracking and say, yeah, but how's he going to do this? And what about that? And, I, you know, I don't see that. And, they, and so they have a problem for every solution, every dream and vision. And so what's going to be, uh, so they can't see the forest, they can't see the big picture because of all the trees or all the details or all the things that aren't worked out yet. Don't be that person. That can't say, I don't have a clue of how he's going to feed 5,000. But here's a little boy with the bread and fish. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, come. Well, we don't any of us know anybody that's ever walked on the water except the Lord himself. And we've never done that. But Peter stepped out of the boat while 11 little wannabes watched him, you know, over the edge, watching Peter. I want to be out of the boat. Amen. So... The forest and the trees. What I like to do, what I believe we should all do, is look at the big picture. 
see the kingdom. And once you say yes to the kingdom, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do where you want me to do, Lord. Then he starts showing you the how. Well, Lord, how can I give this money? Because I, I've got bills and I've got this and lunch money and all that stuff. You, you just, you got to, that's the trees. It's like, Lord, it's coming up tomorrow or this week. And, and I don't, I don't get paid until next week. And none, and none, and none, and none. Got a problem for every solution. But it'll always be that way as far as giving or anything. There's never a convenient time to be in faith. If it is, it's not faith. It's just prudence. It's wisdom. It's, uh, it's being practical. So if it takes faith, it, you, you know it's going to have to take something from down in here because the head's going tilt. Yeah. Amen. So it says, I, well, I want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning that always makes a way where there is no way. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that look, that's up high and can look ahead and see what's down the road and then report back and say, I got this. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that's never mad at anybody. He's not mad at anybody. I know you and I would be mad at him. I, I've been mad at several people over the last year or two. I, I'm ashamed of myself. After yesterday, I was like, I've been mad at some of you people. <laughs> not y'all, but just some people that were there. I was like, what are you up there saying that you love me for? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even like you very good. <laughs> I'm, t I'm telling you, I had a great epiphany yesterday. And I was real ashamed of myself, real embarrassed that I had been so, tr so trite and so small uh, in my, you know. So it just was a great wake up for me, a great, uh, I'm on fire now. Are you on fire? We're all going to be on fire and we're not looking back. Uh, so uh, I want to lift up the Lord Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17, we're talking about the awesome Christian. The amazing Christian. Verse 17 says, therefore. So you have to look up in verse uh, uh, 16 and all that to find out what the therefore is therefore. But he says, if any man, any, any man, any person be in Christ, be in Christed, he is a new creature, a new creation, some translations say. Old things are passed away. Literally, the word means dead. Behold, all things are become new. So here we have the amazing Christian at our foundation and at our root. Why are you amazing? Well, I sing better than anybody. I'm smarter than anybody. I look prettier than anybody. I'm taller than No, we, we don't care. We got, we got smart, short people, and we got dumb as a, as a stump, tall people. Men, women, every race, every... Ah, it has nothing to do with that. If you're in Christ, he said, there's, there's the turning point. And so uh, the Passion says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. Entire, say entirely. Now, see, there's the tripping point. We, we see things and we say, well, I'm still the old man and I'm still. It says entirely. So it's just a matter of believing I'm brand new. It says all that is related to the old order has vanished. Well, I like that word vanished. I, I can get in faith about me when I realize that I'm not, nothing's holding me back. It's vanished. Behold, behold, everything is fresh and new. So say hello to fresh and new. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're fresh and new. 
in our failures, our missing the mark, our disappointments and stuff like that, uh, condemn us. Condemn us. Try to say, you're not as good. And, and then we look at heathen people that don't know anything, and they're, they're just shining. They're running for president or, or governor or something. And we're going, well, what am I? I've, I've got this. It's not according to what we do. It's according to what he did that we believe. And, and so if you can get your faith around that, if you can just believe that one statement, it changes everything. Condemnation. There is therefore now none to them which are in Christ Jesus that are new creations in Christ. So he's not mad at anybody. There is no judgment in this church age. There will be a judgment. There will be a judgment, but not in this age of grace. Aren't you glad? But it doesn't mean that we're getting by with anything. It just means we're being trained. We're being disciplined. We're being chastised so that we will be molded into who he made us and walk in that. So when you got born again, not when you got steady in church or became a tither or became a soul winner, when you got born again, you immediately became awesome. You are amazing. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, you You are something else. You are amazing. And you are awesome. Now that, you know, that's hard for some of y'all. Mediocre, regular, doing the best I can. Uh, No, awesome. Amazing. That's my message. That's what the whole New Testament talks about. You are amazing. You always win. You don't come behind in anything. He always causes you to triumph. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're awesome. We're, we're, we're little Christ. And little and only in the sense that he's first among equals. We know the scripture says in John three sixteen that he's the that he's the only begotten son. But then we see in Romans chapter 8 where he says that, that he's the first born among many brethren. Oh, we, there's, there's something happened. When we came in as a race of man, as the, as the born-again man, something happened. Jesus is not the only one. He's not the only begotten. Now there's a bunch of us. Are you begotten of God? Is he your father? Are you re, reborn? Are you uh, refathered from above? Well, yes, I am. Well, then Jesus is the first among equals. Doesn't take anything away from him. Pulls us up. Why? Where else would we be if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places? You can't be a poor old sinner and be seated there. You can't cast out devils unless you're seated there. Sickness is going to be a long haul. Financial trouble is going to be all over you if you're not seated with him. If you're just an old sinner saved by grace, it's tough where you live. Amen. So um, Hebrews chapter 12, let me just read to you about this awesome thing. Where does it come from? It says in Hebrews 12, 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Say new covenant. New covenant. Now, covenant is the strongest bond or relationship between anything. Covenant. Because there's no, there's no opt out. There's no jerky back. There's no do-overs. When you go into covenant, it's one and done. Now, there's people that break covenant, but it's not good for them. But God said, I will not break covenant. I will not exist. I cannot exist because I'm, I'm only as good as my word. I cannot exist if I cease to keep my word. So we just look in the book and say, see what he said and say, you know, that's what he's keeping. That's what he's doing. That's how he is. 
It's not that he's up there deciding, well, I'm thinking about healing this one, and I'm thinking about sending $100 to that one. It never crosses his, his divine mind. It's already set into motion. It's already played out, and now it's up to us. I know you, people don't like that. It's up to me. Where, where's God in this? He gave us authority. I don't say that it was the wisest thing. I don't say, I know a lot of people, I wouldn't give them that much authority. I wouldn't give a three-year-old a shotgun and say, go play in the yard. But uh, that's what he did, and he said, y'all need to grow up. And so here we are. We're uh, endeavoring to grow up. Uh, Hebrews 8, 6 says, But now hath Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a new covenant, which was established upon what? Better promises. So the old was decent, but the new is so fine. And that's what makes you and me an awesome and an amazing Christian. We're not better than anybody in the sense of the natural man. They can outrun us many times, and they're prettier than us sometimes. And, you know, they can do things better than we can in the sense of just uh, there's people everywhere of all kinds. But in the spiritual department, they are dead, and you and I are alive unto God. We're alive unto God. We're alive unto God. He's pleased for us to come into his very presence. He likes us to come around. We're amazing. So uh, here's what covenant means. I, I kind of boiled it down to the, uh, to the bottom. It means that God can't get you off his mind. How do you like that? Covenant means he can't get you off his mind. You just, oh, well, yeah, he's got eight billion of us, and, you know, nope, you're the only one. You just, one time I stayed in a condo in Florida. This was amazing. It was this huge condo down at uh, Destin somewhere. And every room had its own elevator. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen one of those? Oh, yeah, you, you, you hit the button, and it says Billings on there or something. You know? And it goes to your room, and then it goes all the way down. Ah, you didn't have to wait on anybody and no stinky people in your little box and, and uh, no people hauling sand. He's, he's got you on his mind. If they can do that at, at the beach, how much more is God? If they can put an elevator to your own room, how much more is God? I don't know if it was really only elevator, but that's what they told us, and that's what I believed. Hallelujah. So he's, he can't get you off his mind, and he, he therefore has invested everything. When you have a child, especially the first one, you don't have a, you don't have a, a herd of kids around you to, 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 to navigate, but you just got one, the first one, or the only one. Everything. You're talking about, you're thinking everything goes into this kid. We're going to dress him right. We're going to feed him right. We're going to take him here. We're going to buy. Christmas is just a wreck to other people because they come over to your house with one kid after Christmas, and it's just a sea of plastic everywhere. And you go, what? It's just one kid. That's how it is. Well, that's how it is with heaven. Y'all, we are. he's just like, let's get another toy. Let's get another plaything. Let's get another whatever. God's that way. So um, what did we do to be awesome? We got born again. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, and he brokered a deal with God that we could not enter into that made us special. He said, I got access. This is what the, the Lord Jesus said to, to us. He said, I've got access with the Father 
just one elevator up to him, so to speak. Come in and get in my box, and we'll go up. And now we can go up any time. Just hit the God button, the G button. Go straight into the presence of God. That makes you amazing. That makes you awesome. Because if you can go into his presence, what, what else is there? What, what do you go like, well, let's do one better than that. There is no better than that. You may not go, but there's nothing better than going into the presence of God any time. And you, you go boldly into the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Well, why aren't Christians awesome? Because they don't believe this. Well, just old pitiful me. Well, you know, I've messed up. And yeah, yeah you have. We have. Doesn't matter. Because Jesus solved the Sin problem. He just, there's no problem. Well, Lord, don't you remember? No, I don't remember that. We're just not, we're not keeping books here. So um, there's a threefold benefit to the awesome Christian. That's what I want to talk about. If I can get further this week than I did last week. Uh, uh, verse 21. Let's go here in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's look in verse 21. Here is the covenant exchange that makes you awesome. This is the first key to the covenant. There's three parts. There's, there's the, uh, the solving the sin problem, solving the health problem, and solving the supply problem. And there's an exchange here. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Say, for me. He hath made him to be sin for me. He made him sin with whose sin? Well, with my sin. I don't want Billy Bob's sin up there taking place for me. He took my sin, what I've done and not done, how I've, he took it. And he, it says there, to be sin for us, who was it? Who knew no sin? It was Jesus. What is the end of that? That we might be made. Now that first made, for he hath made, it means prepared. But this other made, made is not the same word, that we might be made. The word there is finished, completed consummated. So he made him to be sin that knew no sin, that I might be, we might be completed in him. What does that mean? The righteousness of God. Well, what else is there? What else does the Lord Jesus have that sinners don't have? He's righteous. It's as if he committed no sin. Why? Because he did forget, he did commit no sin. Well, I did. You did. We did. He said, but I'm going to make you as if you never committed a sin. Well, Lord, there's only one, one being that's ever not committed any sin. It's the Lord Jesus. He said, come on up. Come in with me because we're we're, I got access. I got, I got an entrance into this, and you can be just like me. Now, that's hard on people. You may be even today saying, he's saying we're like Jesus. Yep. We, didn't, we are not Jesus and we didn't do what only he could do as the sinless one that paid the price for our sins. But now that he's paid the price, just like your kids to you, we're the same ass. I have two sons. They're the same as me. It's not like, well, I, I'm the Lord of this and I'm the boss of this. They pay no attention to me. <laughs> they pay no attention to me. Love you, sons, but I know what you're doing. You're not paying any attention to me. Hallelujah. Because they're just like me now. When they were little, I could whoop them at will. I told them not to do that, and they did that. I, I about work. Well, we can't go there, but anyway. I, but now, if I take the task with either of them, like I did then, I'm on the run. Because they're, they're both faster and bigger than me. And it's not even right. So here we are. We're the, we've been made like him. The, uh, the Amplified says, For our sake he made Christ virtually 
to be sin who knew no sin. Why? So that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. What we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Ah, you can't read that and say that's you and not be amazing. You can't be second rate and, and believe that. You, you Just quit believing it. Quit saying it's true if you want to say, I'm no sinner, or I'm a this, or I'm a worm, or whatever. Quit saying this is in the Bible, or your Bible. Just get you a piece and just tear it out. Because it's not going to work with that kind of scenario of saying, I'm just not good enough. And yet have that in the Bible t pointing to you. You're either awesome or you're not born again. You're either amazing or you're not saved. You're not in Christ. We can't have it both ways. In every, the church world, the religious world wants it both ways. Well, I'm just coming to God, hoping he will let me come in. Dear Lord, we bust the door down and say, hey, Daddy, we're home. <laughs> me back. <laughs> ah, He says, come on in, kids. And people don't like that. Because in the Old Testament, he couldn't be that way. He couldn't be fatherly. He was God back then because he didn't have a relationship. They couldn't be made righteous. Every year, he had to have the high priest go in and, and pay the interest on the note and then come out and say, okay, for one year, we can, we can live before God. But when Jesus came, once and for all, he paid the price for us. It's, it's one and done. There's nothing left to be done. Amen. Well, I want to... Uh, uh, Three things, I told you. The covenant involves three areas. Number one, he dealt with the sin of man. Number two, he dealt with sickness and pain. And number three, he dealt with, listen to this, shortage and delay. A lot of people say, well, you know, God's got his timing. No, he doesn't. He wants it on time. He wants his stuff on time. And so he wants your stuff to be on time. Well, the Lord knows, you know, what he's doing. I, we've been, no, you're just not in faith. You're just not, you're just not believing. You're not standing fast in the liberty whereby Jesus has made you free. You're letting the devil say, I, I got control because you've been bad to the bone. And we had been. We, we've done. We've not done. We've messed up. And so we let the devil say, speak as the voice of God. Yes, no, not now. And we got to quit it because the devil's not the boss. Jesus is the boss, and he is good to his word. So, number one, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 53. We, we're going to start back there where the word told us what was going to happen. Isaiah 53 is a prophetic messianic uh, chapter where the Lord Jesus is completely introduced to us before he was born. And it says in verse 1, uh, Who hath believed our report? For And to whom is the arm of the Lord, the authority of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. So he's regular, isn't he? And as a root out of a dry, out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, that there is no beauty that we should desire him. So he was a regular guy. I know people don't like that. Oh, Jesus, he was. He wasn't. Uh, was it Saul or Solomon that was uh, head and shoulders above everybody? 
Saul, okay. So everybody's going, oh, there's the tall one, there's the handsome one, there's the, he's big, he's, he's, he's our leader. Jesus was probably about five, six. <laughs> Best I can tell. <laughs> Yay. So it says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Everybody thinks that the, the Old Testament people were crazy for not embracing the Christ. And they say, boy, if I'd have been there, I would have. The word's here and we don't. It's no different. This is the same. If, if we won't follow this, we wouldn't have found him then. Oh, if I'd heard the Christ was in town, I'd have gone and... No, you wouldn't, because he's in town. Just thought I'd throw that in for... Make sure... Start the car, darling, just in case. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Everybody thinks that God did... Uh, that. Uh, uh, that this happened without God's permission, that he was taken captive, he was a victim, but not at all. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Now, this says somewhere, where is it? That Maybe it's here. I'll read a little further. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, our well-being, was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So it told about the Christ, the Messiah coming. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity is the power of sin. Sin is what you do. It's a detailed, I did this and didn't do that. Iniquity is the nature of sin. And it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he, was, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now here it is, verse 10. That's where I was going. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Lord sowed him. You know, if you, if you take a, a, a grain, a pea, you, you can either put it in the ground, which, and then it will die, or you can put it in your mouth, and you can make it till supper time. But when you put it in the ground, it's destroyed. It says there, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Uh, he sowed Jesus for us. He, he, he was destroyed. He was afflicted. He, God said, yeah, I, I, well, let's keep him alive. Well, you can't have the family. You can't have the people back unless you sow a seed likened to what you want to harvest. So he sowed Jesus. It says in the uh, New Living Translation, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. 
yet it was our weaknesses he carried. Whose weaknesses? My, my weakness, your weakness. It was our weaknesses he carried, yet it, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could behold. Um, Isaiah, is it 50? It's another, another, I don't remember where it is exactly, but the Bible says that as a man, he was unrecognizable after the beating at, the, at Pilate's pole. He was a piece of flesh. He was all but dead, but he was not dead. And it says, he was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. There you have the covenant. He, he was substituted for us. Amen. So turn to Matthew chapter 8. And I read that long course there so that we have no mistake about what the Word says prophetically and comes to pass or the summation in the New Testament when it's marked uh, about him. It says in verse 15 of, of Matthew 8, he's, he's in a discourse here, he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. Yes. Uh, and when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Now, that's where we should go. Healed all that were sick. Because many so-called theologians will tell you that they were spiritually sick or they were, they were emotionally sick. But, but we're, we're seeing what does it mean in Isaiah? That it might be fulfilled. Here he's tying this verse to Isaiah, that it might be fulfilled, which is by, spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself our, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. There you have that he just healed the people, and, and Matthew said it's fulfillment of what Isaiah said. He was taken for us. He was taken out for us. It's covenant. 1 Peter 2.24. Now, here every covenant has an exchange in it. There's no covenant without an exchange. <clears throat> the marriage company co covenant has an exchange. You have no covenant with your children. Well, that's tough on some folks, but we have no covenant with our children. When they, when they leave and cleave, you're done, Mama. You're, da you're done, Daddy. They become peers. They become joint heirs. They become brothers and sisters instead of sons and daughters. You have no covenant. You can't interfere in their life. You can't. You can't. I know you want to because you had 18 or some people 35 years of, of uh, cleaning up their mess and, and telling them what to do and ironing their shirts and telling them, you know, to wear their galoshes when it rains, whatever, whatever mamas and daddies do. But we have no covenant with our kids. We got to leave them. You got to do what you do in the first years. You got you to gotta train them up in the way they should go. Okay? Amen. Amen. 
Boy, and, and you know, none of us knew anything. My parents didn't know anything. Did your parents know anything? Don't, don't answer that. But, so, so we, we, but now we do, and nobody wants to listen to us. We know how to raise kids, and nobody wants to listen to us. It's like, I just make it on my own. We can tell you how that works, because that's what we all did. So we got, we got to change, don't we? Okay. And it says there in uh, 1 Peter. Oh, let's read it together. Verse 24. Ready? Read. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Why? That we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So it tells the exchange. This is the covenant scripture that tells of the exchange. The Amplified says, uh, by his wounds you have been healed. The Passion says, our, oh, I love this. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. It happened. It's not going to happen. Oh, God, send the power, heal me, heal, heal Uncle Zay, Jack, Jack and, and take it away. He's, now, here's what heaven thinks. Heaven thinks that it's already done. When we talk to him and say, Lord, send the power, God, send the, 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 the healing power, he thinks he's already done it. He thinks it's a finished fact. He thinks it's a truth that's already flowed under the river, so under the bridge, so to speak, and that it's done. And it, he's right. <laughs> he, he's right. You go, well, why, why is Uncle Jack still sick? Because something has to be transmitted down here, either through Uncle Jack's faith. He's got to get a transaction. He's got to get the, the power of God through his own faith to, to change his body. Or someone has to lay hands on him or speak the word or cast it out. Or There's got to be a transaction of power that demonstrates the covenant. You go, well, God's in control. No, he's not in control. He's in control in heaven. He's in control by this. He'll back every word. He'll back this up. He is sovereign in the word. But he's not in control on the earth. I'd say he was doing a pitiful job if we said God was in control. I'd say, God, I think I could do that good. If I had all power and I was dealing with the Russians and the Chinese and the, and the, but he's not in control. Sin and your past cannot condemn you because it's buried. God, the word says in Micah that he's cast it into the sea of his forgetfulness. And so healing has nothing to do with what we've done. People that have sinned, which we all have, but I mean egregious sins, they have no expectation that God would heal them. Because it's based on their conduct. Well, now that we're all mature and grown up in the Lord, we also would say, God can't heal me because to whom much is given, much is required. We say, I knew better. And I did it anyway. So I don't think God's going to heal me because I knew better. And so we stop. We, we just say, God's not going to heal me. I'm going to the doctor. Well, maybe you should go to the doctor, but not because of what God's done. Amen. And I told you last week that sickness cannot legally touch you. Legally, it cannot touch you. But someone has to stand there and say, like the policeman in, in the intersection, you're not coming through here. Someone has to enforce it. Well, God can enforce it. Well, he could, but he gave everything to you and I and Jesus. Adam lost it, but Jesus won it back. Uh, pain is, a, we'll talk about pain another time. Pain is a particular issue that people would just put up with their disease or their sickness or their malady, but it's the pain that sets them back. 
And a lot of people are dealing with pain, but Jesus dealt with pain. He carried our griefs. Well, whatever it says in Isaiah, <laughs> our sorrows and our griefs is pains and sicknesses. Yeah. I've got the two mixed up. He took it. So we've got to get a handle on pain. Because yeah. if you can minister to someone in their pain, you've got a friend, you've got a convert, you've got someone that's a believer. Because pain's the most terrible thing. It changes everything. Um, so I said last week that we're just as healed as everybody in heaven. Do y'all believe anybody? everybody's healed in heaven? That's what we say. They got a perfect healing. They went to heaven. You're just as healed as far as heaven's concerned. So number that's number two. We've got dealt with sin, dealt with sickness. We're talking about covenant here. Number three, shortage and delay. That would be in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. We look at this one all the time. Let's look at it again this morning just for a moment. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Now, once you know the truth, you're responsible for it. Would that be right? If you, if you just you, you were raised in a religious atmosphere and everybody believed something that was contrary to the word, well, then you're just in that flow. You're just in the culture. But now that we know the truth, then we choose whether to embrace the truth or to be lazy and to be unbelieving. What the word said in Isaiah, to be rebellious and just say, I'm not going that way. It's too much trouble. Uh, I had uh, a dear friend of mine tell me the other day, he said, you know, if we were denominational, we'd have an easier life. He, he's a pastor, and he said, we'd have an easier life if we were denominational because they just pigeonhole all that stuff about sickness and, and pain and everything and just put it under God's will and just put it over there, and they don't have to deal with it. You go up there and you pray, oh, God, if it be your will, he'll... Brother Jack or whatever, you know, and, and they're done. They're, it's up to God, and they've just passed the buck on. But what do we have to do? We have to press in. We have to contend. We have to uh, lay hold of the truth and find out what the issue is, whether it's an evil spirit or whether it's uh, uh, whatever it is. We have to find it and deal with it and, and work on it. But denominational people, they just say, God's in control, and they're done. How easy would that be? Now, you've got to go to the hospital five or six times while they're suffering with it. But I'll tell you, I don't go to the hospital. I would, but just as a matter of experience, I, because you all just believe God. Amen. So it says in verse 9 of chapter 8, I hope this is okay. Hallelujah. For you know, now that word know there means an intimate understanding. This is not like, how you doing? I'm Michael. This is, you know. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Now, we've looked at that word poor many times. It means indigent. It's beggarly. The word is beggarly. He became indigent. He became with nothing. Why, Lord Jesus, would you do that? That ye, that I, that us, through his poverty, his beggarly and his indigency, might be rich. When did that happen? When did he become and we become? Well, it was on the cross. Of course, everything was exchanged on the cross except healing, and it was exchanged at Pilate's post. But then, then he was uh, five fountains or six, depending on how you look at it, were opened up with him on the cross. And by his stripes, he, he bled on the cross, but the stripes were actually inflicted on him at the post, right, before he went to the cross. 
But it all happened right there in the same deal. So it says there uh, that, that you through his poverty might be rich. Well, there's people that say that means spiritually rich. Well, we're just so blessed. You know, we're sick and we're poor and, and everything's a wreck, but, you know, we got Jesus, and so we're spiritually rich. Well, that's true, but that's not what this means. The word there means, what does it mean? It means abundance and, and physical supply. It's not talking about being spiritually blessed. That happened at the new birth. Amen? So here we are. We're amazing again. Here we are. We, the whole world's trying to plan and get their 401k and their Keo and their whatever they're doing, getting their savings in, you know, rainy day. Not against that. No, the word's not against that. But Jesus said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things the Gentiles seek for will be added. I take that to mean there's plenty more where that came from. So, but it doesn't mean we're foolish and we're not against storing up and paying off your stuff. I, let's believe God for paid for houses this year. Let's believe God for paid for cars. And when I was praying this out and better cars, not just like paid for, because, you know, you can be under the bridge and have stuff paid for. You, you can be out of debt under the bridge. And so we're not talking about just getting it down. But let's believe the word that he became so I could become. Well, he became, so I have become. It's a, it's a has happened right now, present tense, I'm rich. Now, that's challenging for people because we have this thing that the devil's brought in about Christians should be poor or very meager or very humble in their finances. If you found a rich Christian, you found one that's cheating, that's that's stealing, that you can't be rich unless you're stealing and, and plundering people and taking advantage. But it's just not the truth. And what can we say to the level and degree that we believe what, we, what the Word says is the exact same level and degree that we're going to prosper? There's no way to beat the system. You can, you can store up and you can save back and you can do without and, and, and save for the big uh, retirement and stuff. Lots of people do that. And they utterly get wiped out right before that happens. And they die before that happens. Those plans are not ironclad. But this is. So put you back a little bit. I, I've got some cash put back a little bit. I'm not a prepper, but, you know, if the, if the world turns, turns upside down, I'm going to have all y'all come over and we're going to eat until the sun shines. <laughs> I, we're going to give out $20 bills and say, I don't know. I just think you ought to take care of your family. So I, I did that, but I'm putting no weight on it at all. Not too long ago, Christmas came up and I emptied it all out. <laughs> I had a good Christmas, <laughs> but I've already put some back. So, so don't think that I'm someone that just says, we got to all go into the woods and, and, and put on a loincloth and, and, and build a campfire. I'm not that guy. <laughs> Especially the loincloth part. <laughs> oh, where'd that come from? So our financial being is not based on training or a, or a stewardship of personal things. It's based on believing. Because m money follows ministry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All these things shall be added unto you. So money follows ministry. So that makes me free. I can, I can give up like some have, 
just give up a lucrative, good, in-your-dreams job and not suffer loss because money follows ministry. You go, well, I'm not ministering. Well, then you just got a good job, and it's temporal, fleeting, and passing away. It's, it, it's here today and gone tomorrow. It's a vapor. Because you, you're special in your little field at that little moment and, and everything, but the sun could take over the business, and you'd be gone by the weekend. You all know what I'm talking about? It, it, nothing is nailed down. And so you got to get you and me, we got to get us nailed down. Because that is temporal fleeting and passing away. So God thinks you're funded. He looks down at us and we're saying, God, can you, can you spare a hundred bucks so I can pay the water bill? You know, the kids are getting dirty. They're getting stinky because we're just not bathing around here. That's not it. God thinks we're funded. So we got to call on the funding. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, he said, don't talk to God about the mountain. Talk to the mountain about God and say, I'm talking to you, lack. I'm talking to you, job. I'm talking to you, money. I'm talking to you and telling you what to do. I'm in charge of my money. I'm in charge. You get yourself over here to my house. The harvest off of my seed, it's got to come home. I like this, and we're going to see this this year. I can just tell you, the wealth of the unbeliever. It says sinner, but it means unbeliever, is stored up for the righteous. I'm telling you, the reason that there's plenty more where that came from is because they're working for you. And all that tumble and rumble that comes with the jobs and the sun taking over and the company being sold and, and, all, and, and all that stuff that's crazy out there, there's a sorting, there's a data re-indexing that those people's money that they're working hard for and, and not serving God because they're working so hard, it's going to come, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall into your hands. Well, how, how, will that, how will God apportion it? What we talked about a while ago, what you've done over a little, faithful over little, is master over much. So it's what we do with our $20 that he says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send two grand in. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter... 10, I think, could be 16. He talks about what you do with the little bit is exactly what a person will do with much. I know we think, ah, you, you give them money and they may go off the rails. Not the Lord Jesus. He said, pressure is what tells us what we're made of. So if he gives you 20 and you have a, 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 a $22 bill, and, but you hadn't tithed and you tithe anyway, he says, that's my man. That's my girl. I didn't send them anything. Because they won't flinch, they won't flitter, they won't fall out. If, if they'll do that over that, because, you know, like, God, it's $20, let me pay the bill. I'll tithe next month. And he, all the stuff that people think can do to connive and to, says, that's my girl. If she'll do that and stay straight, let's make her the paymaster of this part of the world. Now, that's how it works. Believing it's another thing. Well, I have to quit. I, I, I always have more, though. I have to quit. Amen. Are y'all believers? 2020 is going to be a great year for believers. Thinkers, not so much. So let's just, let's just skip some of that thinking business. And besides that, we've road tested thinking. We know it's, a, it's not dependable. It's, it's, it's got flaws. Uh, stuff will turn when you didn't think it would turn and not turn when you, you know, 
Let's just get it down to a simple life. My yoke is easy, the Lord said. Let's just get it down where we just believe. I can believe. Faith comes by believing, getting in here and saying, I'm easily persuaded. One reason that that, this is a personal note, but one reason that, that she was able to hide from, when did you start talking about yesterday's July? One thing she's able to, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, I can cut through some things occasionally. One reason I was able, she was able to hide it from me is because I'm easily persuaded to believe. And she'd just say, we're doing this. And I said, I'm in. She'd say, well, I'm going over here. And she never told a lie, but, but uh, there was other things going on. And I just, so be easily persuaded to believe. Lord, I thank you right now for the spirit of grace on 20 and 20. You've already made an enabling, a, 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 a grace, a, a mercy for this year. Things will be easier this year because things you've promised to us. Lord, we weren't asking for it. We weren't looking for it. We weren't qualifying for it. But you out of your sovereign heaven looked down and spoke a word through somebody over each one of us and all of us together and said, this is what I'm going to do someday. And now you're saying that 2020, you're going to do some things someday this year. And so, Lord, we're easily persuaded to believe. We start making plans. Faith makes plans. So I start making plans to have a great year. I'm not holding back or waiting or tenuous, uh, tentative. I am making plans to have great in my life. Great giving, great ministry, great results, great testimonies. I am setting myself above sickness and sorrow and pain. I won't have it before it comes. I'm, I'm building a wall in front of it right now and saying, if you try to come in here, you're going to be blown out. I'm speaking to my supply. I'm telling money, you're coming to me. There's a harvest, and it's, it's not just one for one. I sowed a seed, I get a seed. It's, it's a hundredfold. Everywhere I've sowed, Lord, there's a hundredfold potential. It's up to me to say what it is. I say it's a bunch. I say it's optimum yield. I say now is my time to have my time. In Jesus' name, 2020 is my year to excel. And Lord, if you're still here, not here in 21, we'll just be that much higher and further down the road. And, and we believe you. We trust you. Lord, we at River Church, we just take our hands off of the known, the natural, the established, the cultural. We just say no. We do have to pay our bills and pay our taxes and but all that stuff. But other than that, Lord, we're going to live on a higher plane this year. And we just tell you in front, it's going to happen for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. I want to thank you for tuning in this morning to River Church. We are talking about the amazing Christian because we are. You ought to be one. You ought to, if you're not born again, you ought to find out how to get born again, how to get your life in Jesus and Jesus in your life and be changed in the twinkling of an eye. It's not hard. You'll find out it's more fun than anything you've ever done. Really, being a Christian is the best. So thank you for coming in, tuning in with us today. Amen.